And, uh, and so it was written to Jewish people. They got to remember, right? Since the time of Moses, a uh, long time, that they had been doing all of these sacrifices, you know, and, and all this temple stuff and all of the priests and the high priest and the Levites and, and you have all this stuff. And, and so what happened is when Christ came, the Jewish people were having a hard time, especially the ones who had been converted because they were asking the questions, well, we've, we put our faith and trust in Christ, but do we still need to do all the stuff, right? All of going to the temple and going to the sacrifices and, and all of the stuff. And so Hebrews is written to explain to Jewish people, right? And not so much Jewish people today. Uh, because most, uh, I haven't heard of any, well, any of the sacrificial systems are not around anymore. All of the, the priests, there's no such thing as those anymore uh, because you have to be able to, our Jewish people tell you, you have to be able to trace it back to Aaron, right? And so it just is a, it's, it's just an incredible thing. And so I'm going to be talking to you about a lot of stuff. I, I don't know exactly where you are in some of these things and how much you understand, but but if you want something real simple to remember of what I'm talking about tonight, it's answering the question, how's a person, how's a person right with God? That becomes the question. And it's the question that the Bible answers all through it. How does a person become right with God? Right? How does a person become right with God? So, uh, so basically, you know, you have a lot of folks today that, you know, and I know what you, what you're taught, what you hear all the time. And, and so much, you know, you even hear, you know, is that, you know, that God is a figment of your imagination or that, you know, uh, God is whoever we make him to be. Or if I believe, uh, then it's, it's, it's real to me and all of the other stuff. And, and stuff that I know that you're hearing and I know that you've heard, whether you're in school or out of school now, then to remember there, there comes this wonderful, simplistic question. And I'm not going to be talking about all that tonight, but I had to give you a framework of, of, of walking into this. And, and it all comes down to, you know, this life, right? This life that we have, uh, was it a created life? And, uh, and, and if there is no God, then I promise you, it just falls into meaninglessness other than trying to grab a few cheap thrills along the way until you die miserable. I mean, that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? But that's kind of how it is, you know? This, it's got to be real pessimistic because they've attempted to remove God from the equation. And, uh, and I believe with all my hearts that we were created. It was wonderful watching, watching the worship time, but we were created to know the God who created us. That's what the whole is there, right? That's why nothing you achieve, nothing you have will ever fill that place. Why? Because you were created for much more, right? And so anyway, so I just wanted to kind of give you kind of a little bit of foundation before we jump into this, because we're going to be talking uh, a lot about these sacrifices in the Old Testament. But remember this, they were all pictures of, of who Jesus is and what he would come to do for us. And so, 
So these were just, these were just God down through the ages. I always like to say it this way. It was God writing his, his story into all of these systems, all of these different people's lives, whether it be Abraham or whatever else. But it revolved a lot around, um, you know, Moses and the commands and the priests and all of that stuff. And so you, you get a good working knowledge of the Old Testament, especially Leviticus, right? And, and, and that's a tough read if you don't know what you're reading, right? So I, I'm, I'm going to just walk through uh, and explain just as, as well as I can. And then, uh, and then uh, there's no way I'm going to get through all of chapter 10. It's just not possible, all right? I was, as I was spending, spending some time, what I wanted to share with you guys, I, I think I can get through, through about two-thirds of it, but I can't get through all of it. So, so as, we, as we just jump into it, right, let's just jump into it. What you have talked about, chapters 8 and 9, was, was about the high priest, right? Now, you have this, you have this really cool look of what is a high priest, right? And, 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 and what does the scripture say about it? Well, you can read a whole lot about it in the book of Leviticus. But the high priest was, was the one that was set aside to, uh, to offer the, the main sacrifice. Now, you had a lot of priests who offered sacrifices, and there were lots of them. But the high priest, uh, the, the Jewish folks celebrate a couple of things. They celebrate Passover. That's one of the major ones. And the Passover lamb. And we know that even Jesus himself said that was a picture of him, right? The bread and the wine at the, at the Passover meal, right? The blood on the door and all of those things. But the other one was called the Day of Atonement. And that was, that was such an incredible picture. Uh, you have the Ark of the Covenant, right? That was in the tabernacle and eventually in the temple when it was built. And one time a year, right, that high priest would go in, right, and would offer a sacrifice for the sins of the people. And so that's why the book of Hebrews will say things that like that Jesus is our high priest. So you don't need that anymore because all of these things were just pictures of what Jesus would do in reality. That is what makes it such a powerful thing when you, can, when you can get all of the stuff and understand all of the stuff around it. So that's what you've talked about. And that, and that was that wonderful verse, there is only one mediator between God and man, and that's Christ, Jesus, right? What does that mean? That means you today, you don't need anybody to go to God for you, right? That's why, that's why priests aren't needed today. Because you don't need anyone to go to God for you. Why? Because Jesus made that possible. That is what he did. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an, incredible, an incredible thing to think about. That's what you've, you've been talking about up till now. So that gotta give, just gives us a... Uh, just, I'm just going to walk through. And my heartbeat and passion right, is that I love just walking through what the Scripture says and explaining to you. And if you have ears to hear as Jesus used to love to say. If you have ears to hear, right, you'll be amazed at what, at what you, can, you can hear from his word and what it teaches us. And so, uh, so anyway, it's a little daunting, to be honest, to be asked to share, to drop right in 
to just chapter 10. And, uh, and because, uh, because, you know, I tried to share with you as much as what you've talked about up to this point and why it was written. Okay, let's go ahead and look at it. Chapter 10, chapter 10. And verse 1, it says this. Uh, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year uh, uh, make perfect those who draw near. Now, don't miss this, right? It's just me. I have to do stuff like this, all right? All right, now, so the law is just a shadow, okay? Now, what's a shadow? Now, a shadow, I think I'm getting close, right? There's my shadow right there. Now, is that shadow me? No. That, I'm, I'm me. That's just a shadow of who I am. So it's not the real thing, but it is a picture, albeit not a very clear picture. Right? Let's go back to it. Here we go. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come. So they're just pictures, and they're not always perfect pictures. They're just shadows, right? They're just shadows. So what he's sharing with us here, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about it in a minute. But what he was sharing with us here is is that these were all things that were pictures, albeit not, not, not perfect pictures. They're just shadows of the things that would come. So... Hebrews is talking to us about how all of these things in the Old Testament are connected with who Christ is and then what he came to do. And so when that opens up, you know, guys, I, I had gone to church all my life. I did not become a believer until I was a lot of you folks age. I was 21 when I became a believer. And yet I had been in church the whole time. So I knew all the stories, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd heard all of them just growing up through it, but it was just a bunch of nonsensical type things to me, you know, no different than whatever. But it was incredible when I became a believer. So I was able to jump on pretty quick because I had a pretty good working knowledge of what the Bible said. But I would have told you I believed it, but it had no impact on my life whatsoever. Couldn't have cared less, right? Couldn't have cared less. The only reason I went is because my parents made me. I mean, that's just straightforward. Now, let's get back to where we were. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form. So you hear what he's saying, right? It's just a shadow. The true form is that which is real or reality. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, Of these realities, all right? The true form of these realities. It can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Listen to me. How... How is a person become right with God? Therefore, you see the thought, make perfect. That's what it means when the Bible says, make, make perfect. Therefore, you and I need to be made right, need to be made perfect. So, Jeff, are you trying to tell us tonight that you're perfect? Uh, And I know this is struggle because my wife is here, all right? But yes, I am. But not because I am, but because he's made me that way. Right? That is what he came to do for us. So what he's saying here is, is that none of those sacrifices all down through the ages ever made somebody right with God. Right? Because those were just shadows 
of things that were, that were, that were going to come, right? Great, great. I'll get this right. We're not going to get to, to 25 like I had planned. All right, let's continue. All right. We'll just kind of do it like, you know, salami. I'll just keep cutting until we run out of time, and then somebody else will have to pick up where I ended last week. All right, here we go. Let's continue. Um, continue. Otherwise, here we go. Otherwise, uh, would they not uh, have ceased to be offered uh, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer uh, have any consciousness of sins? Okay, so what does that mean? That basically means if those sacrifices actually worked, then why did they keep having to make them over and over and over and over and over again? Right? Well, because you have lots of sins that come up, you know? And, you know, and, and, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying, listen, that's, that's not what they were intended to be. All right? Let's continue. All right? Um, but in these sacrifices, there is a, rema- uh, a, a, a reminder of the sin every year. So what's he talking about every year? He's talking about the Day of Atonement. And so what these sacrifices did is that they reminded you of who you are, right? And then they reminded you of the separation between us and who God is, right? So they were, they were pictures. They were great pic- shadows, really, is, is just using the, 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 the verbiage here in the scriptures. All right, let's continue. Um, let's see. Uh, verse four, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Guys, that is huge. May not seem like a big deal to you, but remember, all right, if, if you ever have somebody say, when they ask you the question, well, how were people, okay, this is, this is like a question that somebody might even ask me. Well, how were, how were people in the Old Testament, that is before Jesus, how, uh, how were they made right with God? Save, salvation, whatever. How, how is it to them? Well, you know what you could hear from a lot of people? Their sacrifices. No, no, it wasn't. Right? No, it wasn't. It just wasn't. And so it's real important to understand that then because so many times people think that there's a lots of Lots of different ways, right? Lots of different ways uh, for a person to be right with God. In fact, that's the political correct version today, you know? Uh, there's, as long as you believe it sincerely, you know, then it, it's, it's, it's truth to you and all the other stuff you hear. But this is straightforward. It says all of those sacrifices, they were just shadows. They were not the real thing, Right? You know, it is, it is an amazing thing when you begin to really think about the practicality of this and understand what it means to us because you and I have never grown up where any of this was ever part of our life. Uh, but you have to remember the people he's writing to, that's all they've ever known. And they were taught that this is what makes a person right with God. And so he's trying to tell them, no, those were pictures of, what, uh, of who Jesus is and then what he would do. You know, it's like John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
Therefore, he was taking it back to the, to the sacrifices, but he was saying that that's what Jesus, what those things did as a shadow, a picture, Jesus is doing in reality. So you have then just the simple gospel found in these things, and yet most people miss it. And you want to know why they miss it? There could be a lot of you in here in the room that miss it because we get wrapped up in religious stuff, rituals, things we go through, you know, things that we, we, we do and we, 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 we don't do, and we, we come up with all this other stuff. There's only one thing, right? Bible teaches over and over again. There's only one thing that makes a person right with God, and that's what Jesus did for you at the cross. Nothing else. Zero. That's why we call it grace, you know? It's, it's, it's a gift you don't deserve and you can't earn. You can only receive. So, so this is him just trying to explain to the Jewish people, hey, listen, guys, it's not about whether you offer a bunch of sacrifices. Then, then some may ask, well, then what's the purpose of them? Right? It's a reminder. It's a reminder of who you are and who he is. Great stuff. Great stuff. Let's continue on. All right. Um, verse number, uh, number five. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings uh, you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Now, obviously, you see it in quotes here, so we're, we're talking about a quotation. Uh, in, uh, in burnt offerings and sin offerings, uh, you have taken no pleasure. I mean, this was the whole Old Testament. Right? Do you know how many different kind of offerings there were? There were, there were guilt offerings, and there were sin offerings, and then they had all of these different feasts and and all of the different goats. But but it just flat out says, God doesn't take pleasure in those things. Then why do them? Because they're a picture. Right? They're a picture of what Christ would do in reality, not as a shadow, but in reality. Okay, let's continue. Uh, verse uh, 7. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written of me in the scroll of your book. Talking about Jesus there. Let's continue on. I, um, when he said above, You have neither destined nor take pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. All right? These are offered according to the law. It was the law that God gave. And then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. So this is about as straightforward as it comes, right? If you want to understand the, the tie between the Old Testament and New Testament is that there's this picture that the first was, was just pictures and, and looks, but the second, it was, it was just to establish that when the second did come, that is Jesus, that it was going to be the fulfillment of everything that's been talked about. So it, I don't know. It's a it's it's an amazing thing to me, um, you know, because when you look at the what the Bible teaches, and when you understand it, um, and understand that it's written over I don't know fifteen hundred years, maybe maybe a little longer, and it's written by over forty different authors in three different languages, and yet. And I've been studying it now for years. It's my passion. It is my love, right? I, I, love, I, love, I love it. I just love being a part of it. And it's amazing to me 
is that it all points to one thing. It all points to, right, giving the opportunity for those of us to be made right with God, right, and his plan for that. The entire thing goes that way. Basically, the entire book of Hebrews is just explaining how this entire sacrificial system, this entire Moses, Mount Sinai, Ten Commandments, and all of the rest, how they all point to and show you and I's greatest need, right? You and I's greatest need, which is to be made right with the God who created us. So as I, as I well, let's just continue on, all right? Let's just continue on. Um, uh, now in verse number nine. Then he added, behold, I've come to do your will. Uh, he does away with the first in order to establish the second. Uh, and by that, we have been uh, sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Here we go. Once for all. Now, all right. The word sanctified, right? See the word sanctified? That just means, the word sanctify is just another word for the process of making one holy, right? Uh, that just is a, it's a Greek word and it just means holy, being made holy. Well, the word sanctify, the word saint, right? The word saint is one who is holy. All right, now, please don't answer this out loud because you'll look foolish if you answer it wrong, all right? But who are saints? Saints are anyone who has been made perfect, right, because of their faith in him. Those who have been made holy. And, uh, and it just is this incredible thing, right? The word sanctified means to be made right, to be made holy, to be made perfect. And it happened not with all of these sacrifices down through the generations, we're talking hundreds and hundreds, a couple of thousand years even, that these things have happened. And he says, and it happened once for all. There's a lot to be said in three little words. Once and it's for all. All time, all people, all everything. So then what is the need anymore for all of these sacrifices? There's not one because that's what Jesus came to do, right? Uh, and this will also help you in great errors, right? I've, I've heard people teach, you know, that, that, that somehow you have to confess every sin. Guys, if that was the truth, that's all I would ever do. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? That is literally all I would ever do. Uh, that's not what we're talking about. Therefore, I've heard people say, well, you know, um, if you don't confess a sin, then it's not forgiven. Hogwash, all right? Hogwash, all right? That's a Tennessee word if you don't know what it is. Hog, you don't wash a hog, right? So, done, finished. Guys, I'm even here to tell you this, is that what Jesus did for you on the cross, the thing that makes it great news is forgiveness. Past, present, and yes, even the future. You know, if you tell people that, then they'll just go do whatever they want to. Not if they know him, they won't. Right? Not if they know him and what he did for them, they won't. Right? Once for all. It is one of the greatest freedoms in a person's life 
when they can truly accept and live in the freedom of his forgiveness for us. I mean, it is an amazing thing. But it takes a little while to actually, number one, accept it, and then to live in the freedom of it. That is, experience it and to live in it. I mean, all of those things go together, right? But I want you to hear it once for all. Once for all. This is a, this is a big verse that is quoted often because, you know, a lot of times different, different places and different denominations and different people say, well, you know, if you don't go to confession, then you're not forgiven. Or if you, if you don't do this and do this and do this, then you're not forgiven. Or if you, therefore, I call, them, I call them grace additives. That is, yes, you need Jesus, but you also need all this stuff. No, no. All you got to remember is this verse, once for all. Once for all. And it's amazing to me down through the years, I am a, I am a student of church history. And I tell you what, it's amazing how screwed up the church can get. Uh, but here's how it usually always gets screwed up, is they start adding works. They start adding stuff. Like, yeah, you need Jesus, but you also need, and then every group's got a different one. And I have just made a determination in my soul. I'm going to share with people what the scripture teaches. It teaches once and for all. There is only one thing that makes a person right with God, and that's what Christ did for you at the cross. Period. No, but you have to do this, and you have to do this, and you have to do this. No, he's already done it. Right? That is what he came to do. If you have the ears to hear tonight, this, this can really help you. This is part of why Mitch wanted just to walk through this so that you can hear not just the salvation message, but also what does it mean? And I've just been amazed. I've been amazed at, at being a believer now so many years. And now that I've gotten to understand the scriptures and know them, they don't really affect me anymore. But do you realize how many, how many groups there are out there that prey on people who are believers trying to steal the freedom that Christ has already given you by loading you up with all these things you're supposed to do and have to do. And it, it's, it's exhausting. I'll tell you what happened to me when I was a believer, uh, brand new. Guys, I was so excited about, about being a, a believer I was, I, I had experienced what that meant, and, and he'd, he'd, he'd changed me. But I fell among a group of people, right? And I fell among a group of people that, uh, that were well-meaning, zealous, kind of like the Apostle Paul before he was converted. They were almost militant, and they had all the rules, you know, what you wore and you know, and, and, and your hair and uh, everything, right? And that, and they started putting down, you know, having, you know, devotional time every day, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. But there's no rule that says you have to have one every day. You know, but, you know, when you're gung-ho like I was and I was, I was gullible, I call them, I call them grace killers, Right? 
they try to add to the already awesome work that Jesus did for you. And all it does is put a burden on your back. Now, is there anything wrong with having a devotional time? No, I recommend it. I recommend that you do. But does it make you more close to him because you do have it? No, it does not. Oh, well, when I go out to the I go out to the mountains or the beach, I just feel closer to God. Well, you may feel closer, but you're not closer. Well, I feel it. Yeah, you feel it. But remember this. There is only one thing that makes a person close to God. And that's what Jesus did for you at the cross. If you are his tonight, you will never be closer to him than you are right now. If truly he did for you what the Bible says he did for you. So don't let other people guilt you into anything. Don't let other people bind heavy burdens on you that Jesus said. And understand the freedom that has already been bought from you. Not from all this stuff, right? This is really once for all. Once for all. Well, Jeff, I just feel close. I get feel. I do get feel. But remember about feelings, guys, right? <laughs> feelings are, are as fickle as they come. I mean, you know, I've always, the standard joke I use is, you know, I was feeling great and close to God, and, and then I went and ate Mexican food, right? And I got home, woke up the next morning, and like, Lord, you must hate me, you know? The only thing that had changed was my feelings, right? Can you, in fact, it's one of the first things you can mature doing. Are you still going to live for him, for him when you don't feel like it, right? It's one of the first things you need to learn. Am I still going to live for him? Am I still going to live for him even when I don't feel like it? That's just a, a, a hurdle to overcome. Boy, our culture is so addicted to how they feel, but anything can change how you feel. My goodness, a drug can make you feel different, right? You know, you can take a drug. I tell you, when I, when I, when I was in college, this was before I was a believer, um, I, I had tore up my ankle playing football, and, and it was one of the worst exper painful experiences I have ever had. And I have a steel plate and eight screws. I think I told you all a few months ago. And I went through such pain. And there was this drug called Demerol, right? It's an opiate. And it was the greatest stuff ever invented. I, I could take that and I could go from pain to no pain. And I remember saying in my hospital bed, I see why people like this. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? I see why people like this. The problem is it isn't real. It just feels real. The problem is it wears off. I have to have another shot, right? So what I'm wanting to get across to you is there's this wonderful, wonderful understanding of what Jesus did for you. And the book of Hebrews is all about explaining what Christ did for you. All right, I've... Uh, Sorry, Mitch, I'm not even going to get through portion of it. All right. Uh, you'll be doing chapter 10 a couple more weeks probably. All right, here we go. I'll try to get through a couple of it, but I, I had to stay here at once for all. But let's look at the next one. 
And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. My gosh, guys, if you've ever wondered, I mean, this guy, this priest guy, he does the same thing every day. These people come in and offer a sacrifice, right? And, and, and it basically says here they offer the same thing over and over and over again. And it, ha- it never has had the ability to make a person right with God. Ever. Ever. Don't let anybody say, well, you know, in the Old Testament, the way that they were right with God is through sacrifices. That is just not the truth. Right? I can give you 10 verses that say that. But when Christ did it, when Christ offered, right? next verse. But when Christ, right? But when Christ had offered, I, I know I drive those people nuts. I do the same over in church. You know, I actually bang on the screen. Come on, guys. All right, here we go. But when Christ had offered for all time, once and for all, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice, he sat down at the right hand of God. Done. Finished. That's why he screamed at the cross, is finished. Is finished. It's a word. It's a Greek word. I have it hanging in my office. Well, not true because I don't have an office anymore, but it's in a box, <laughs> right? It's in a box. But somebody had stenciled out the actual Greek word. And the Greek word is the word te. It's a, it's a partic- I'm not going to bore you, but it's a particular tense. It's te and it's telestai. And what it basically means is paid in full, debt cleared, right? They used to, if you had a, if you had a debt in prison or if you, were, you had a debt you had to pay, and that when you paid it or somebody paid it for you, they would, they would take this, this sheet, if you will. It wasn't paper at the time, but they'd take this and they would stamp on it the word Tetelestai means that nobody can come back to you and say you haven't paid your debt. My goodness, can you imagine why Jesus screamed that from the cross? Because he'd finished. He'd done it once and for all, right? One single sacrifice for all time, right? For all time. The one thing I prayed one thing I prayed before I came in, Lord, if just some of them in the room can grasp the freedom that comes from that verse and the ones we've been talking about, uh, to live in that freedom. Because if you're his tonight, you already are free. But the question is, have you learned to live in the freedom that comes with it? Right? I had a dog growing up, right? And... And, and she, was, she was awesome. Her name was Muffet, but she was this real, she sat on a tuffet, right? So she, I don't know where the name came from. I don't think it was me, but anyway. But, but she was a big dog, and so, and so we couldn't put her in the backyard because she was just smart. She, she could actually climb the fence. She wouldn't jump over it. She'd climb it. Anyway, so we had a big stake, right, in the, in the middle of the backyard and a rope. 
So she had this little circle that was hers, right? A little circle that was hers. And, and obviously she'd been out there for, you know, a good, a good while, you know, and, uh, and, and we found out pretty soon that, she, that we could take the rope off, right? And she wouldn't leave her circle because she'd gotten so used to being tied up right, that she could no longer experience the freedom that she had. Now, was she free? She was. But she just, I guess she got used to the circle. Guys, this is raw close. I have one thing I want to share with you tonight. One of the greatest ways you can be a light for Jesus Christ is learning to live in the freedom that he, he bought for you. Right? Because there is nothing, just look at our country, there is nothing so appealing as people living in freedom. It's just it's amazing how it is. All right? Now, let me have a word of prayer with you. I think uh, we have enough time to do questions. Okay? Let me have a word of prayer with you. Lord, thank you for tonight. God, thank you for what your word teaches us. It's awesome as always. And God, if anything good's happened here tonight, Lord, it's because it's your word. And, uh, and we give you the glory for it. And Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. You can you can clap. There was like the one awkward <laughs> clap. <laughs> I always like that at like at church too. People are kind of like, do we? No one else did. All right, we're done. I think if you just follow through to the second clap, more people would clap with you. But uh, so what we did is, and this is probably a perk to you showing up early on Thursday nights because when I ask random last minute questions, you get input. Um, and so we are still going to give you some time to just kind of talk around the tables about the notes you've taken and kind of in the few verses you covered in chapter 10, you hit it. I mean, tonight's whole thought was sacrifice complete. And, and so you, you really hit on that, Pastor Jeff. And so what I want to do, and what I thought would be a lot of fun, because Pastor Jeff is, like he said, he's been studying this for a very long time. Um, and we've been now walking through Hebrews for quite a while. This is chapter 10. So it's been 10 weeks of Hebrews. So I just wanted to take a few minutes um, and if you guys had overall questions or anything like that about what we've been walking through, about what we've been discussing, um, you now have an opportunity to hear from Pastor Jeff and myself, uh, mainly Pastor Jeff, um, to just kind of ask that question or something about it he talked about tonight. Um, we'll do that for just a few minutes, and then we can still dive into kind of a small group discussion. So that means everyone over there kind of in the stadium seating, you can just bring those chairs over here to a random table afterwards. But go ahead, and if you have a question... Raise your hand, we'll pick you. Well, you can ask, so um, if you ain't got nothing after a few seconds, we'll just, eh, oh, yeah, hey, there he is. How many days in the Old Testament? Uh, you know, th uh, they talked about it in Romans. I can't sit in that seat. They, talk <laughs> they, t they talked about it in Romans. Um, you, can, uh, you can read it, um, and it says that, you know, because they were talking about faith. Book of Romans is is the magnum opus of, of salvation, talking about salvation. And so it says that, that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So how is a person in the Old Testament come to know him? Same way you and I do, by grace through faith. So therefore, Abraham came into contact with... That's, that's a great question, guys. Tons of people. I should have probably included it in, my, in what I was sharing with y'all. But... But I have found that, that Abraham was not a perfect person. He was a sinner. And, 
I mean, and he's got great stories with Melchizedek and others. If y'all don't haven't heard any of that, it's a cool part of it. But in the end, it says that he believed he he came into contact with God's word. In the beginning was the word, and he put his faith and trust in it, and God credited it. That means God gave him the ability to be right with him by grace through faith. So, and eventually it was not totally sealed until Jesus did what he did because all of that stuff can't take away. Yeah, great question. All right. I'll try the chair again. All right. All right. Anybody else? Don't be shy. He'll get up and start running around again. No, that's only if they ask a question. <laughs> All right. All right, we're good. All right, sweet. Well, then let me go ahead. We'll pray. Appreciate and y'all. Then, yeah, give them. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. I, I genuinely, it's fun getting to sit down there. It is. So I'm actually kind of, now I'm more excited for these next four weeks. I, I get to sit down with my wife and, and be taught even more by Pastor Jeff and some of the people around here. But as we dive into this time, um, we're going to give you guys, I said, gather around a table, meet some new faces. Um, prayerfully, if you guys keep coming back, we'll get more and more tables and chairs in here. I just, you know, the Lord giveth, right? I wasn't expecting and I'm stoked. So um, we're glad you're here with our family. But I just want to encourage you, um, just as tonight, to really just simmer down onto that reality, that reality that he hits so beautifully. Like, it is through Christ alone, by grace through faith. I mean, like, and as, as Paul asked such a great question, you know, we, 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 we love seeing the continuity in Scripture, and sometimes we don't always get to see it when we're so face deep into it that we have to take a step back, and he was able to just walk us through that. And so um, I'm just going to pray. After that, we'll give you guys 15, 20 minutes kind of hunker down and just kind of spew out your thoughts. I even encourage you, do prayer requests, do praises with the people around you. That's how we grow as a family. Um, and after that time, I'll come up and kind of close out the night. We hang out here until 10 o'clock. The other room has pool and ping pong and everything, so and books that you can uh, and, and rent out and stuff. But um, let me pray, and we'll dive into this time. So, Father, we are so blessed that it's not that you had this weird discontinuity in your word or this abnormality or that the church was this weird accident that you're just kind of glad it happened. God, you, you knew all and you know all. And so God, thank you that your son came and solidified that grace through faith message for us for once and for all. And so Lord, I think there's a lot of us here tonight who, who need to remember that we can't save ourselves. Even after, even after we're made new in the gospel, we tend to want to run back to our earthly comforts, God. And so I pray you help us to just dive into your word and rework our minds to when life gets hard, anxiety hits, bad things happen. God, we don't run to our earthly vices, but we run to our heavenly Father. God, like Pastor Jeff said so beautifully, there is but one mediator between God and man, and it is the, man, uh, the God-man Jesus Christ. God, if we are in him, we have a direct ear and voice to you. So, God, we love you. Bless this time and and challenge this time. I pray that everyone in this room leaves feeling challenged, convicted, and comforted by your word, by the truth of Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray this all in your son's name, Jesus. Amen.